0: We turn our attention now to the Word of God, the Hebrew Bible, Daniel chapter seven, beginning at the first verse, and continuing through the 18th. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dreams. Daniel said, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea, four great beasts, each different from the others, came out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. The beast had four heads and it was given authority to rule. After that in my vision at night I looked and there before me was a fourth beast terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had iron teeth it crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts and it had ten horns While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them. And three of its first horns were uprooted before it. The horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, now heed this, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat, his clothing was white as snow, His hair, the, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire flowing, coming, <coughs> flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands of saints attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated. The books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. Then in my night vision I looked. And there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is the word of the Lord
1: a second reading today is found in Psalm 149 book of Psalm chapter 149 praise the Lord sing to the Lord a new song his praise in the assembly of his faithful people Let Israel rejoice in their maker let the people of Zion be glad in their king Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths and the double-edged sword in their hands. To inflict vengeance on the nations, punishment on the people, to bind their kings with feathers, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his faithful people, praise the Lord, and this is the word of the Lord.
2: Our gospel portion. For All Saints is uh, Luke chapter 6, we're going to honor an ancient tradition. Please stand as we hear Jesus the Messiah teach us. Brothers and sisters, the good news according to Luke. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors, ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will grow hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Please be seated. As um, David reminded us yesterday, this is an opportunity to dismiss the kids, or as he said it, to be spared from the wrath to come. So if you would like to avoid a 66-minute sermon, this is your opportunity to to run. No other takers? All right. Okay, brothers and sisters, let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we pray, Lord, that your spirit once again reminds us of your love, your protection, May, your, may your, your spirit inspire us, Lord, to hear your voice, open our hearts and our ears to what you have to say to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So for those that are not following a liturgical tradition, it's All Saints Day. Uh, that doesn't mean that we've suddenly become Catholic. Uh, we are part of the church, and All Saints Day has actually been celebrated for a very long time. It was started by the early church in the fourth century. Why would they start such a thing? Because the early church was a persecuted church. For three centuries, it had suffered, and people had died, and the world had tried to crush it and stamp out the good news, but they couldn't do it. And so when, all of a sudden, it became legal to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And so many of our brothers and sisters had fallen before, they didn't want to forget them. How could they? So they said, we will at least one day of the year stop what we're doing. And we will remember those who gave their lives to give us the gospel, to preserve the truth, to bravely go where no one had gone before. And that's what we celebrate today on All Saints Day. Uh, it's now been captivated by the pagan world, of course, and we now know it as Halloween. Or in Hebrew, what do we call it? All, all Holy One Eve, the Eve of the Holy Ones, All Saints' Eve. Because in Jewish thought, right, the day starts when? In the evening. So All Hallows' Eve. It's an ancient ancient remes to the early Jewish Christians who, who wanted us to remember this, this day. And so normally we, we even change the color just to make it special. So normally it's green. All of a sudden, we, we wear white. And uh, people know that I always like to throw icons into uh, my messages. And uh, just to give people a shock, no, no one worships icons. They're windows for memory because in the Jewish tradition, you worship God with all of your senses, not just your hearing, not just your taste, but including your eyes. So this is about the only icon that our church actually has. Does anyone know the story of how this picture came about? In February 15, sorry, February the 20th, 2015, 21 Egyptian Coptics and one Ghanan were led out onto a beach by ISIS. And then in front of cameras, they had their heads cut off because none of them would renounce their faith. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes we forget who the Egyptian Coptics are. They're the largest Christian body in the Middle East. There are more Egyptian Coptics, more more Egyptian Christians than any other people group in the Middle East. We look at Egypt and we see an Islamic country, but we forget that God has about a third of them to himself. And after 1,500 years, they have not given up their faith. Now I challenge anybody to live under Islam for 1,500 years and still say that you're a Christian. These guys did it, even to death. So we remember their bravery. And we say, well, may your courage be my courage, when if if it ever comes my turn, can I be just as brave as you, please? Now, obviously, that's a bit of a darker fate for some of our, our heroes. But let's be honest, the pagan world really doesn't think too highly of Jesus or his followers. And it doesn't like our message and for some reason refuses to leave us alone. Have you noticed that? That the people who don't believe in God hate him so much. That makes no logical sense. Say, ah, you Christians are evil. Do you believe in God? No. So why do you hate God so much if he's not actually there? That means you're insane. I love you anyway. (laughs) Jesus didn't withhold the truth from us when he said that uh, we were going to face persecution. He told his Jewish followers they'll be taken out of the synagogue, persecuted, thrown into prison, and potentially even killed in in my name. People trying to defend God, hurt God, and so our readings today on All Saints Day, they give us a little bit of hope. I'm actually going to speak on all three readings this morning, hence the 66-minute warning. And, uh, but they also give us, the Gospel in particular, shows us, brothers and sisters, how we should live, particularly in this world that doesn't like us so much. How are we to be salt and light until it's our turn to join all those that have gone before us to stand before the throne of God. So looking at our first reading, Daniel. Daniel is an amazing character because he is a character who is a captive. He is captured when he's probably about 12, 13, and uh, he's made a eunuch. How do I know that? There was an interesting little prophecy in In uh, 2nd Kings 20 where Hezekiah after he has recovered from his illness decides to do something really dumb and uh, show the Babylonians all his worldly wealth and of course what do they want to do come down and take it and then the prophet comes and said gee my Lord you're an idiot because of this some of your descendants are going to be eunuchs in the court of Babylon so according to tradition that's Daniel so he was part of the lineage of David but unfortunately, no more. Now, despite being a captive and, uh, and, and eunuch, this is a, pretty much a bit of a physical as well as a spiritual and theological shock. The temple had been destroyed, temple of God. All the prophets were gone. Not that they were telling the truth anymore. But uh, the land had been devastated and the holy people sent to go live in a a strange land. And Daniel remained faithful. He faithfully served four pagan emperors without rebelling. How's that? What a role model. That's a challenge for us, brothers and sisters. Can you serve in a secular world without rebelling or getting angry? It's hard, isn't it? Daniel did it. And he did it with a, with the, the odds so stacked against him. He was uh, given visions and dreams. And in today's reading, he was given a very special vision. Um, he probably didn't envisage that when he died, uh, six different cities would claim his tomb. Okay? So everybody wants a piece of Daniel. One of my favorites is he's got a tomb in Samarkand, which is in Uzbekistan. Right? I don't know how, how he gets there. But Daniel has a vision, and he sees the, these beasts. The kingdoms of the world are, are described as beasts, fearsome, horrible uh, beasts. In Nebuchadnezzar's dream, they're all nice statues, you know, metal, metal, precious metal, all the good stuff. But Daniel saw how it really was in the world. So nope, the secular world's pretty, pretty evil. And then in amongst all this evilness, The people of God, standing before the throne with the Messiah, hope, worshipping, loving, being restored to fellowship with each other and to the Holy One, blessed be He. This is actually an amazing uh, chapter, and it scared the pants off uh, some of our early Jewish uh, exegetes because they look at the vision that Daniel has in heaven— And they're perplexed. I, Daniel, looked into heaven and I saw thrones. What's the problem with that sentence? How many thrones should be in heaven? One. Who's supposed to sit on it? God. So there's Daniel looking in heaven and he sees multiple chairs, multiple thrones. Who's sitting on the other one? One wonders. And so in uh, about the year 132, Yes, a whole hundred years after Jesus. A rabbi by the name of Akiva. Have you ever heard of him? He's so famous, he's got a street named after him in every single town and village of Israel. <laughs> okay. So he's famous for uh, saying that there are two powers in heaven. One is God and the other is the Messiah. But they knew that the Messiah sits with the Lord. And these, these people... The saints, the kingdoms, these four beasts, they didn't survive. They didn't last. For a brief moment, they had their reign of terror. For a brief moment, they had their glory in the sun. For a brief brief moment, they built their edifices and their monuments. But it was the kingdom of the Messiah, the kingdom of heaven, that was going to rule and reign eternally. And that was going to be the reward for the holy ones of God. Daniel saw a vision, and it was a vision of hope. Everything else passes away. The guys in black, they pass away. But the guys in orange will stand forever. And brothers and sisters, we're going to meet them one day. And they'll want to know what we did with our lives. Because theirs were taken away from them. So what did we do with our lives? Before I answer that question, let's have a look at the psalm, Psalm 149. Now, this is the la- one uh, in the, the last five psalms of the, of the book of Psalms, uh, all unattributed. No one knows who wrote them. And they're all called the Hallelujah Psalms because they all start and end with the word Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And here we have at the beginning of the psalm uh, the words, a call for the saints, the chassidim, to praise the Lord. So who are the Hasids? I hear you ask? Well, not referring to the guys who, with the black hats and the beards and things, although some of them are quite pious, I will admit. Here, these are the saints of God, the ones who didn't give up, the ones who suffered persecution, the ones who didn't uh, dissolve into uh, worshipping idols, who actually praised the Lord when they were alive. They get to praise the Lord when they're dead. Is that the reward that the psalmist wants to conclude with? No. He takes the message of Daniel that the holy ones actually get to inherit the real kingdom, the kingdom that lasts forever, the kingdom that's not going to disappear, and he gets one step forward. He says, the Lord, God, will enact vengeance On behalf of his holy ones. In fact, the last sentence says, "This is to the honor of the saints." Now, I don't know about you, but if you and I are dead, really, what do we care if if God gives vengeance for us? We're with Him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Fantastic! Whether like, like we read in our liturgy today, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. But God. Has a memory and he delights to give honor to his saints. And one of those things is to enact vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, it is not for us. Now, how we feel about that, the psalmist gives us time to reflect. Praise the Lord, he doesn't forget who his saints are. He does not delight in the death of his saints. And he will bring justice, because as Deuteronomy says, all his ways are justice. Everything he does is justice. So how should we live today? Not all of us have the opportunity Ooh, not all of us have the opportunity to die like them. We have to live like them. Now, that's a challenge. If someone walked into this church right now and pointed a gun and said, Aaron, deny Jesus or die, that is a really easy, easy question. Nope. Bang. Done. But the guy didn't come in. And he didn't point his gun, so I have to walk out that building. I have to live like I'm a follower of Jesus. I have to live like I'm salt and light. I have to live uh, in a way that can impact the world when the world really doesn't care about me, doesn't care what I think, doesn't care about God, doesn't care what my beliefs are. It really hates it when I say, actually, that might be wrong. And so Jesus gives this sermon, it's actually the second sermon in Luke, first one's in chapter 4, and it's a really cool one-sentence sermon where he sits down and says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. What a great sermon. I'd like to do that one day (laughs) and then leave and see what happens, see if I still get paid. Um, But Jesus here gives what we call the sermon, it's got a title, although they don't come with titles in in the real manuscripts, Sermon on the Plains. So distinguish it. To the Sermon on the Mountain because in Matthew Jesus goes up a mountain in Luke he tells us that he's actually on a field because it says in verse 17 he went down with them and he stood on a level place which could be anywhere but uh, he gives this sermon which very it does look a little like the Sermon on the Mount the Beatitudes it's got a few differences a lot of similarities so it appears as though Jesus has a body of material which he teaches, and he teaches it in slightly different ways, in slightly different places, to slightly different groups of people. Okay? So this is what usually happens to all of us. I'm going to preach the same sermon tonight. It'll have a different group of people It'll come out quite differently, one assumes. And we get uh, blessings, like we do in the Beatitudes, but this time we actually include some woes and things that aren't so positive. And then we get the interesting commands on how you and I are supposed to live. We often, uh, when we read the Hebrew Bible, we often say, well, the Old Testament, that's just full of law, 613 laws. And, um, you know, there's actually only 606. Seven of them are the laws of Noah. Okay, when you count them all up. Uh, but in the Hebrew in the, in the Greek Bible, does anyone know how many commandments there are? That's, those, those are two, yeah, the big ones. There's actually over a thousand. Some of them are here. Love your enemies, that's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. Bless those who curse you, that's a commandment. There's not a suggestion. Bless those who who, who curse you, but only if you feel like it. Only if you've had lots of chocolate. Only if you had two cups of coffee in the morning and you actually got it together. So Jesus actually starts with this thing of, of blessed are. These are the types of people who in the kingdom of heaven, these are not entrance requirements. This is not how you get into the kingdom of heaven. This is when you're a member of the kingdom of heaven, when God is your king, blessed are. The Greek word uh, "makarios" carries the meaning of happiness, which, if you translated this into Hebrew, would be "Osher." Osher from the tribe of Asher, the tribe that has joy. Which you know, he gets to have Nahariya as his is um, part of his territory allotment up there in the Lebanese border. If anyone's been there, it's a really nice, nice coastal town. Great place to retire. Thinking of doing it myself. Asher, happiness. Happy are the poor. Now in Matthew you get the addition poor in spirit. Here it's actually the literal poor. Cuz woe or alas are the rich. Now hang on, this seems a little countercultural cuz normally if you're rich we normally consider ourselves blessed. Anyone here th- not think Riches are a blessing from heaven. Just about everyone says, you know, the Lord has blessed me. I've got a new job. I've got a bigger salary. The Lord has blessed me. I've got a new car. Yeah, the Lord has blessed me. I've got a new house. Most of us don't say, the Lord has blessed me. I've got nothing. <laughs> What's the issue? Now, I'm not, to, I'm not saying... Don't put words in my mouth. I'm not saying that if you're rich, that doesn't mean God isn't blessed you. You've been blessed. What is Jesus saying? Remember, it is hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. Wealth so often doesn't bring you happiness. Sometimes when you have too much money, you don't really know who your friends are anymore. And you're not sure what everybody's trying to what do they all want from you? Well, they want your money. <laughs> and it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, etc., etc. It's countercultural. Because in the, in the epistles, we discover from Paul in Ephesians 5 and in Colossians 3 that money is a form of idolatry. Sometimes we want it so much more than we want God. It's become an idol. And it's a danger. It's a blessing, yes. You need it, yes. Hopefully, some of you are even going to give it during the offering, yes. I'm hoping. (laughs) We use it to pay our electricity bills and our water and to give to others who are in need. It is good. In fact, Paul even says, get a job so that you can actually have something to share. What we need to remember, brothers and sisters, is that when we have wealth, it's a blessing from the Lord, but we have to be generous with it. We have to be like God, who is generous to give us. We then respond by being generous to other people. None of us can take anything into heaven, into the world to come. These guys already know that. And they often, as we say, they stay stand around the, the, the throne praying. They're interceding for us. I wonder what they're saying of me. Probably, shut up and, and get off. <laughs> no, I hope not. The, but one of the things they can tell us is actually money. They've, they've learned the real value of money. All of our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted right now, and they are not the only ones, the uh, study for I think, what's it called? The study for Christian global Christianity and both the Vatican say that somewhere between ninety thousand and hundred thousand Christians are, are killed every year. So every decade, a million Christians are dead. That means twenty million, you know, uh, twenty million Christians have been killed this century so far. That's an incredible number, isn't it? Right. So they're just suffering. Sorry, two million. And they know the real value of money. And so we need to make sure that we keep that while we're alive. When we're alive, we need to be able to have that and maintain that and act like it. And it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard. But the blessing is, brothers and sisters, you and I have something very, very powerful. We have the Holy Spirit and we have each other. We, do, we run the race, yes, but we do not run this race alone. When I was leaving Australia, you may have noticed from the accent, I'm not from around here. When I was leaving Australia, I used to be a bartender. Back in Australia, that was a good job. <laughs> My friends were saying, Aaron, aren't you a bit nervous going around the world, you know, you're meet a bunch of strangers? And I said, no, actually, because I'm a member of the biggest gang in history. There's about 1.8, million, 100, 1, 1.8 billion people who are my brothers and sisters. And so every town, every city, every place that I go, I'm going to meet a brother or a sister. I'm not be able to speak their language. But that's not always the point. Jesus gives us a, a hard challenge, a command. We have to love our enemies as part of this kingdom, as part of this living now. Now, if you love your enemies, that doesn't mean that they're still not your enemies. Okay, You love your enemies, you don't hate them, but sometimes we still have enemies and we have to be wise, we don't have to be foolish, we don't walk into danger. We have to bless those that curse us, and there going to be a lot of people that will curse us in this world. So we should pray for them, bless them. May the Lord bless them with abundance. May he bless them with faith. May I be blessed with a new brother or a sister. And it gets even harder when it's not just lip service. It's easy to love your enemies when they're far away from you. It's a lot harder when they're the ones actually slapping you and punching you right now. That's hard. And that's where I need help. That's where you need to come in and help me. And I need to help you. I need to encourage you to be salt and light. And you need to encourage me to stand up in the face of opposition and bless them and not hate and not curse. Not arguing for pacifism. Love. And when someone asks something of you, our attitude should be, yes. It's very hard. We often will hide uh, our, our, the, the, the way we, t- we can bless others by saying, I'm trying to be a good steward, so I won't give you anything. <laughs> That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is really challenging us here brothers and sisters, if you want to be a holy one, a pious one, and we're not like them, then we have to live like them in the here and now. When you and I walk out that door, we have to be salt and light. We have to show this world that hates us, that doesn't like us, that doesn't agree with us, why they should like us, agree with us. And the only way we can do that is not to hate, not to curse, not to demand, not to hide, not to withdraw from society, but to do the complete opposite to everything that they would expect, to share, to love, to bless, to challenge, but to do it nicely, to, to, to stand up to bro- as brothers and sisters together, declaring the truth. That's actually attractive. There's an interesting story that goes with this martyrdom. Does anyone know it? One of those ISIS guys became a Christian. He watched how they died and he said, that was so against everything he had been taught. He said, no, if if they can do this, but my team does this, I think I'm on the wrong team. So uh, our lives and our deaths should reflect the love of God in absolutely everything we do. Justice is his, yes. The kingdoms of this world fade away, but the kingdom of heaven lasts for eternity. Brothers and sisters, you're in the kingdom of heaven right now. Eternal life is right now. Then let's share it with as many people as we can. We've got a lot of people cheering us on. We are not alone. Amen.
1: Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you and blessings from the city of the king.